Hello and welcome to A Glimpse into the Future. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos and in this podcast series we explore with some of the world's leading experts how new technologies and ideas can help us shape our future. In this week's episode, I talk to Ellen Stoffan, head of the National Air and Space Museum and co-chair of the World Economic Forum's Council on the Future of Space Technologies. I was wondering, why space? Uh, why is it important to us? Uh, people don't think about it that much. Well, you know, I think it's, it's hard for a lot of people to think that space is something that it touches their everyday lives. But from technologies we use, the materials that make up our homes, our clothes even, all of that came out of the development for space technology. It's not just things like Velcro, it goes far beyond that, where space technology you know, really is in every aspect of your lives. Not only that, every time you pull out your phone and get directions, remember that's actually coming from a system of satellites, the global positioning satellites that help us figure out how to get around right here on the surface of the earth. Um, so whether it's modernizing agriculture to feed the world, whether it's helping out in disaster zones, whether it's getting more and more accurate weather forecasts, understanding uh, our changing climate, Space data is really critical to how we live our lives every day here on this planet. Very interesting. And how does the world of space look like right now? What are the main challenges and the main trends that we're seeing? You know, it's a really, really interesting time right now in, in the whole space realm. If you think about it, you know, NASA is actually celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. And, and to me, that's sort of emblematic of the change that's going on. You know, for decades and decades, space exploration, space activity has really been dominated by governments from around the world, not just obviously NASA, but the European Space Agency, the Russian Space Agency. If you look uh, around the world, there are now, for example, 16 space agencies from around the world involved in thinking about how we send humans from beyond low, low Earth orbit out to the moon and then on to Mars. So it's gone from a few major players in the government space business to lots and lots of space um, company or space uh, agencies uh, from countries around the world. And part of that is because the cost of getting to space the cost of building satellites has made the barrier to entry for many countries, it's really been lowered. So all of a sudden you see you know, a lot of different countries now coming in. For example, the United Arab Emirates is planning a mission to Mars. So that's one of the big changing aspects is just lots more governments playing. But I think an even bigger change is the fact that the private sector is now taking an increasing role. And part of that is because the technologies have evolved to a point where companies can take over. You know, we saw that happen very early on in the communications industry where communication satellites, initially funded by governments, now a complete private industry. But we're seeing the same thing in Earth observations where you have companies like Digital Globe, Planet, where you have commercial companies that are now doing Earth observations from orbit, uh, selling their data, actually helping use their data in, in you know, things like natural disasters, helping with things like illegal fishing. So there's lots of exciting things going on with private, the private sector. And you have new players coming in, SpaceX, Blue Origin. Uh, so it's just a completely changing landscape than it was, say, even just 10, 15 years ago, looking forward, where the private sector is really taking this increasing role. So how does it look in the world of space in terms of rules and regulations? How does it work? Is it something that we need to think about or there is space for everyone? 
you know, space is big, but but it's not that big. And so, so when you think going forward, there's all these emerging issues coming out, a lot of it because this emergence of private companies. When it was only governments, you could work through your common organizations that we have, for example, the UN uh, Committee on the Peaceful Use of Outer Space. You know, there were formats where governments could get together and discuss issues around space exploration. But with private companies coming in um, from all around the world, you know, what are the rules? And, and this is becoming an increasing issue because if we look out towards 2030, if we look at the idea that everybody has broadband access, well, how is that going to happen? It's going to happen because we're going to have networks of small satellites around the globe that are helping provide internet access. When we have a disaster around the world, when we have a refugee crisis, we're going to have almost instant imagery to understand what's happening around the globe and help out in the case of, of natural or unnatural disasters. So that's a great scenario of, of where space technology is taking us. We can have farmers having almost instantaneous information on whether their crops need watering, how healthy their crops are. But what does that mean? That means lots and lots and lots of satellites orbiting this planet. Space is big, but it's not that big. So all of a sudden you have issues. Are satellites going to run into each other and provide, uh, create a lot of space debris that then other satellites run into? You could see the cascading problem. So we really have to worry about how do we come to a framework where everyone's a good player, everybody's doing the right thing. Um, and in a sense, like with so many things in the fourth industrial revolution, the change is actually outpacing, I think, our ability to regulate it in an easy way. And I think that's why the World Economic Forum is such an excellent uh, place where you can get all the players together they can start having these conversations, talking about what are the values, what are the benefits, but also where are the issues where maybe we can start defining what a good, good actor is, a good player is, and, and help, help promote good behavior because the pace of change is so fast that the regulations maybe lag a little bit behind. So who, are, who is the, this ecosystem of players in, in this space that need to come together to, to take these difficult decisions? Is it just the, the space agencies and the satellite agencies and these new private sector players? Or do, do you feel like we need to, to bring together the people that benefit uh, from, from these technologies uh, to, to form some kind of... Well, I, I, think, I think it's a little bit of all of the above because mm -hmm. if you think of, of the big issues, let's, let's make sure that you know, we all agree that, that universal broadband access, you know, access to the internet is an important thing for everybody around the world. Again, it means this huge network of satellites. Let's make sure everybody's getting a chance to play in that. Let's make sure the satellites are safe. Let's make sure there's no issues. So that requires governments, private industry to come together. On the other hand, I, I think people do have a role because when you start thinking about big data, lots of data being taken of your land, who owns that data? How do you get access to that data for developing countries who might say, hey, I would really benefit from better understanding of agriculture in my country or how to protect my country from sea level rise. Well, is that data going to be free or are they going to have to pay for it? And so you don't want to create a, a situation where all of a sudden the data becomes harder and harder to access, even, even if it's actually your data. So this is, you know, you can say this is similar to so many other issues that, that we have in this era of, of big data, the issue of open data. You know, right now, for example, with space agencies, NASA makes all of its data free and publicly available. 
it's getting harder and harder to use. So they have actually set up systems to help work with developing nations around the world to say, how do you, how do you use all this space-based data to benefit agriculture in your country or benefit whatever other issues you might have, like sea level rise threats. Um, but I think this ongoing issue means it's not just the players you have to have involved, but you really have to be thinking about how is this affecting the individual in the country? Is there any, as a space is a, a type of global commons for, for, for the humanity, is there any examples or any lessons we can learn from how we have tried to deal with other global commons that the space, the fight for a, a good space uh, regulation or framework uh, can, can be helpful? Well, I think if you look at how we treat most of our global commons, you know, it is truly the tragedy of the commons. If you look at the state of our atmosphere with climate change, if you look at what we've done to the oceans, you know, we've had a tendency as humanity to, to kind of mess up a little bit um, because of this simple concept of the tragedy of the commons. And, and we strongly believe that space is a global commons. And we have the opportunity this time to kind of get it right, right from the beginning because we really are at this beginning stage. We're getting ready to send humans to the moon. We're getting ready to start thinking about things that maybe sound a little science fiction-y, like asteroid mining. So how do we prevent the tragedy of the commons? How do we get off on the right foot? And again, that's an interesting role that the World Economic Forum can play, and we work on this in our Global Council on the Future of Space Technologies. But I have to say, this is a huge area of of benefit, and, and you don't want to lose that for countries around the world. Just last year, for example, there's estimates that about $3.9 billion was put into emerging space companies from venture capital. We don't spend money in space, we spend it here on Earth. The space economy, while people think of it as being located in space, it's actually located right here on Earth. And so this is a huge benefit, it's a huge area of growth. This is a positive part of the fourth industrial revolution that we really need to say, how can we get this right? How can we make sure that we exploit this to the benefit without messing it up? You mentioned asteroid mining. We, we've all seen sci-fi films that talk about these things, and now we hear that you know, people might be in Mars soon. I don't know all of these things. Are they actually near? You know, we're going to have humans probably back on the surface of the moon within the next, I don't know, approximately decade. I think we'll have the first oh. humans on Mars in the next 20 years. Uh, and eventually, we're going to start obtaining resources from space, whether it's from the moon, whether it's from asteroids. I think that's maybe a couple decades in the future, but what's exciting is a lot of the technologies that you need for, for example, mining an asteroid, you know, those are the technologies that we're investing in right now, robotics, autonomous uh, operations, uh, small, agile spacecraft that are less expensive, you know, low-cost access to space with emerging companies that are providing more and more launch vehicles. So there's exciting things going on in the space sector that you don't want people to get too focused on things and say, well, this doesn't have anything to, me, to do with me, this is three decades away. Well, it does, because the technology investments that are taking place right now to help enable that are actually things that benefit us right here on Earth right now. So if you had one message, to the decision makers here that are gathered in Davos about this sector, what would it be? You know, my message to them would definitely be at this point, first of all, make sure that we are using the Earth observation data that we are collecting from nations around the world that have so clearly laid out the threat to this planet right now. And we need to make sure we're understanding that data, making sure we're making that available to all to not just 
understand and, and work to decarbonize the economy to protect us from climate change, but also make sure that we're doing a good job of using all this Earth observation data that we have to make sure that the most vulnerable countries in the world are able to cope with the effects of climate change that are going to happen, frankly, no matter what we do at this point to decarbonize the economy. That was Ellen Stoffan, head of the National Air and Space Museum and co-chair of the Global Future Council on Space Technologies. My name is Riga Sadzilakos, and that was all from this week's episode of A Glimpse into the Future.